Welcome to Literary Elixirs, where we match books with delicious food and drink. I'm Justine the Librarian, and I'll be chatting with various bibliophiles about their favourite recommended reads and just what elixir they choose to pair for a wonderful reading experience. This episode, I am joined by Emma White, Children and Youth Coordinator at Hobson's Bay Libraries and the current convener of the Public Libraries Victoria Children and Youth Services Special Interest Group. Emma has worked in public libraries for over 10 years and is a passionate advocate for children and young people in library spaces. She's also spent lockdown moving her cat off her keyboard during Zoom meetings, haven't we all? Continuing home renovations with her partner and learning to make her own polymer clay earrings. Welcome to Literary Elixirs, Emma. Thank you, thank you. And I always, I always laugh when people have to do like my full work titles and because it's ridiculously long, it's so unreasonable. Um, and definitely when I have to introduce myself at conferences, I feel like I take a really deep breath at the end of it and just go, <gasps> that <laughs> is why acronyms were created. <laughs> I love long titles, though. I love them in books and I love them in library titles. And isn't that like, isn't there like a title generator, you know, an app for that? Basically, there's an app for everything, isn't there, where you can plug in yep. and, and it just sort of generates you a title and it's like five, six words long and yeah, super fun. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I also love that you've been learning to make your own polymer clay earrings because one of the things you've also been doing in lockdown is um, you're a different pair of earrings every day for isolation. And I am impressed. You have not doubled up once. It seems like you've still got a few to go. <laughs> How long have we yep. been going on? And you've been doing this. It's been, it's been pretty impressive. It's really funny because I, I did do a really quick count earlier today because someone else asked me that um, in a work meeting, which was, you know, a fun spot to have that kind of conversation. Um, I actually have been doing it for 125 days. Um, wow. And it has been 125 different pairs of earrings. Now, I must confess, I did have a large collection before lockdown, um, but the hashtag isolation earrings project that I kind of took up unknowingly how long it would go for, um, yeah, I've bought a lot since. Supporting local, <laughs> supporting local yeah. business. It's all, they're all local, small um, business makers in Australia um, and uh, I've had a great time. I kind of got to the point when the second lockdown was cold that I went, I don't think I can afford to keep purchasing as many <laughs> as I have been. Um, so I thought, oh, no, I'll invest instead in, in a new skill, learning a new skill, and then I'll have some more earrings that I haven't, I've, I've paid for, but I made and I would feel less guilty about. <laughs> I think it's wonderful and, and you know there's so many different things you could have done and, and to actually go and learn how to make your own polymer clay earrings I'm, I'm very impressed they look stunning I if I haven't commented already I I've seen some and I think they're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You don't <laughs> only get better is for how I see it. <laughs> All right well Let's get up with it. Um, so you have such a great background in libraries and I know you as a very passionate um, human about advocating for children and youth. And I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite suggestion for activities parents can do in lockdown with their children? Because I know you'd have a few ideas. Definitely. And I, I find it really, really fascinating how many people get to a point 
when they are looking out metaphorically, because we're all indoors, um, mostly, they're looking out into the world and, and kind of going, what's out there? And like, what can I do with my children um, at home or out on our daily walks into the community? Um, and like, I have quite a lot of suggestions. My number one, and it's probably not a surprise, is check out your local library. Just the amazing, like you have to plug local libraries, <laughs> the amazing programs um, and activities that have been happening um, across uh, Victoria, but across the world um, are really, really fantastic. And and I had a um, the the SIG group that I'm the convener of, we had a meeting um, yesterday and there was librarians from across Victoria um, present and just hearing some of the amazing projects and activities people are doing, offering online, um, ordering, having um, home delivered craft kits uh, for families. Uh, there's just so many really, really cool things, family book clubs and lots and lots of ideas. Moving away from library land, which is hard to do, um, <laughs> my other great suggestions is definitely to go to the live keeper cams that you're seeing on the zoos. So Melbourne Zoo and um, there's a few other zoos uh, around the world have got these live um, animal cams where you can watch like the penguins playing and the, the leopard um, pups at Melbourne Zoo are adorable. Um, and it's just really, it's a really cool thing to see, see them without having to go there, but just see what they're doing right that very moment. And I remember I was having a lot of issues with um, like insomnia early on in, in lockdown period. And I'd find myself awake at like three o'clock in the morning and I would go to like the San Diego Zoo cam and I'd sit there and watch the penguins, <laughs> like basically. So I definitely recommend that. Also, um, science uh, science works have an amazing range of really great um, STEM and STEAM based program ideas for kids. Uh, fantastic. It's I think sometimes we take it for granted that people can be creative and think of things constantly. And it's just not true. We're all tired. We're all, it's been a long time. And for families, you're dealing with closed quarters, um, not having that relief that you'd normally have by, you know, going out to school or going to kindergarten and, and whatnot. Um, so it's just, it's exhausting. So get someone else to think for you. Um, and <laughs> keep those children engaged. I love it. I love it. Are they free, those science works ones? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So many free of, um, services that are available online. And I've been seeing some great, like, online workshops and things that are either free or low cost um, as well. Uh, certainly, I like um, following this a few, uh, I suppose, what you'd call mummy, mummy bloggers. Um, one of my favourites is... Um, a blogger called uh, Melbourne Minor. Um, so it's Melbourne M-I-N-O-R. Um, their Facebook page is ridiculously amazing in terms of giving ideas for people, for activities that you can do with your kids at home. She homeschools her two kids 
and I don't know where she finds the energy, but I like that she does all the creative thinking. That sounds brilliant. What a great recommendation. What a great couple of recommendations there. And I have to second, obviously, checking out your local library, but also not just your local library. Check out what libraries everywhere are doing because so many are doing yes. things for free online, putting up, you know, story times and creative things and activities and Lego stuff. And you don't have to limit yourself to your local, although it's always good to support them. But yeah, just go crazy, go crazy online. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right. I know that you have some great book recommendations to come but I wanted to ask you as well how you go about suggesting books to young people and their parents because that's a tricky thing to do sometimes. Definitely and it's something we get very very frequently and, and regularly um, in library land is um, questions about you know exasperated parents or grandparents coming in saying my 11 year old boy is just not reading and I don't know what to to do to get him into it and um, the biggest advice I've always had for people when recommending books and titles uh, for young people predominantly comes down to it's not about you it's not about you as an individual it's not about what you particularly like it's about knowing your demographic it's about knowing your collections it's about knowing what the person young person in front of you or further away if it's parents coming in or, or grandparents what is it that they enjoy doing that's outside of reading because if we really limit ourselves to just saying well reading is an isolated activity it's something you do on its own um and you know has no real connection with whatever else you do in, in the outside world if a child's not already engaged with reading, they're not going to become engaged then. So it's really, I like to get to know individuals and what they like to do outside of reading, particularly if they're what have been called reluctant readers in the past. And, and I, I would challenge that in saying that I don't think there's reluctant readers, there's just readers who haven't found the right books yet um, or haven't been presented with the right books yet. And I love that part of my job and the work that I do is that I have the opportunity to potentially put the right book in the hands of a young person that introduces them to the love of reading and storytelling and that they can then take that and move on. So really, again, my core recommendation or suggestion is it's not about you. It is about the young person don't think that they have to read a certain level. Don't think they have to read you know, books. They can't read comics or graphic novels because they're not real literature. N no, it is not. It is not about you. You've got to connect the child or the young person in their heart for them to be able to engage with books and reading and for life. Absolutely. And there are some great graphic novels and comics out there. I enjoy reading them. You know, there's yep. some great ones for adults, but there's some brilliant ones for young kids. And there always has been. And yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's one of those things that sometimes you come across parents and grandparents that are a little bit 
oh no, no, a real book. And it's like, well, if he's not reading a real book or she's not reading a real book now, this might be a really good way to engage them. Absolutely. And what you're saying about the reading experience, you know, this is what this podcast is all about as well. It's um, reading is not a separate thing from everything else we do in our, our, our world. It's an experience like any other experience. And so what I'm doing here and hopefully we'll do together later is, um, is trying to, to, to say, Hey, if you like this experience, maybe you'll like this book. And, and that's exactly, yeah, I love that. And doing that with kids, it's difficult, especially because, you know, they're not yes. your children. And sometimes the parents and grandparents don't necessarily have, I mean, they have an idea of what the kids do. Obviously I feel bad saying that they don't, but you know, they don't necessarily <laughs> have a real inner, you know, track on, on, on what the kids real interests are. Um, or they can't, they can't translate that into a book form. And that's a really mm. hard skill to master, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the ones that I see or kind of hear, I suppose, the most uh, are probably ones where my child's only interested in, in video games or they're only interested in, in playing, um, you know, in, in, in their gaming. And Have I got like, some books for you then? <laughs> have I got some books for you? Because Minecraft is one of the best things that has ever come out in online gaming for for any ages but particularly for young people because it's all about world building story building and there are so many books that have been created from minecraft using the the basis of minecraft to create some really fun storytelling Absolutely. And even for the slightly older crew, you know, Raymond D. Feist, a lot of his books were mm. based on video games and he then wrote books yes. for all, or vice versa. And um, the Dragonlance Chronicles is essentially, mm. you know, quest D&D kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's all about exactly that story building and that world building. So, yeah, there is, so, there is a lot out there, which is great. Definitely. And I think it was really interesting because I think the other day we, we had a, a bit of a, a back and forth about um, David Eddings. Um, and... I have to admit, growing up, I was so I, I loved reading David Eddings, but I also really loved playing the old Age of Empires games on computer. And my God, the graphics now, looking back, are so dodgy. <laughs> but I loved that. I loved playing Age of Empires, and I think when I connect story and, and worlds like David Eddings. And 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 um, Lee Eddings, um, his wife, uh, who also helped write those series, was was that notion that you could expand your reading experience, but you could also expand your gaming experience by utilising both. So <laughs> very clever and very sneaky of you. I love it. Fit <laughs> <laughs> oh. an Eddings reference there. Oh. <laughs> as often as we can, really. <laughs> not, not, not nearly often enough, probably. Um, there's some. It's interesting. There's some real divides too amongst the Eddings fans. But that's not. That's a different podcast. <laughs> we I can talk for, for hours. Oh no, we can talk for hours if we let us. So, all right. I asked you to think about two of your current favorite reads and what you would pair to eat or drink with them. Let's have it. What was your first choice? Excellent. Okay. So. My first choice is probably a really interesting one. I've kind of gone, I, I'm terrible when people ask me what my favourite reads are. I tend to switch to whatever I'm kind of in the moment with. And so the two titles I've chosen are just ones that have been in my mind or that I've been recommending um, or that are really, really topical at the moment. So my first one is The Babysitter's Club um, series uh, by Anne M. Martin. And... There's 
very good reason I'm I'm talking about this this series. Obviously, there's been the amazing Netflix adaptation that has come through um, a modern retelling of the Babysitters Club, and um, I binge watched the entire first series in one day <laughs> um, and I loved it so much and it reminded me, it reminded me of the books and um, I actually have, um, I, I bought <laughs> the classic collection um, of the first um, eight books in the series and reread them again as an adult. Um, I used to have the entire set, but my mum gave them away. <gasps> No. When I was in university. Oh, oh bad mum, naughty mum. <gasps> I know, I know, I had all the special editions and everything, but that's okay. As an adult, I have repurchased the first eight at least. Um, and for those of you who haven't read The Babysitter's Club or who haven't watched the Netflix adaptation, I highly recommend you do. It's really about, it's, it's a classic, modern, middle grade fiction series based on a bunch of 12-year-olds um, who get together and um, form a babysitter's club in, in essence. They, they see a gap in the market. They see um, an opportunity for them to uh, make some money, have a bit of a business, and they call it the babysitter's club. And it starts off with four uh, young women, um, Christy, Claudia, Stacey, and Marianne. And throughout the series, we get a few more. Um, individuals come into the club and all these other characters kind of get through but what I love about this series predominantly is because it is so much about friendship it is so much about community and it is so much about that awkward stage in a young person's life when they're starting to take on responsibility, they're starting to want to have a bit more independence, they're definitely tripping up along the way. Um, and it's not as cheesy as other middle grade fiction. And like it's it, it's definitely sweet, but it's not it's not overwhelmingly sweet, I don't think. Um, and I have paired it with a classic jelly bean cocktail, uh, which is, for those of you who haven't indulged in the wonders of a jelly bean cocktail, um, is a one shot of vodka, it's half a shot of blue curacao, half a shot of raspberry cordial, uh, and then it's topped up with lemonade. So it is super, super sweet. It's very nostalgic. It's definitely the drink I drank when I was 18, you know, plus. So it's very nostalgic very sweet and I think it's aged pretty well <laughs> I think I still enjoy I would still enjoy a jelly bean cocktail now like 13 14 15 years later <laughs> so so I kind of paired those two because it's that's what I feel like that's what I feel like with the babysitters club it's it's pretty sweet and it's very nostalgic but it's aged pretty well as well Absolutely. Oh, I love it. And I love those books so much. I don't That's think so I cool. owned every single one. And actually, I'm not sure if I, 
I owned that many. They got um, just shunted around all the girls in my family. So uh, I, I didn't have the, the loss that you experienced. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were really, really good. And I'm actually a diabetic, but I was only diagnosed um, in my late 20s. It was really interesting re-watching, well, re-watching, watching the new um, Netflix uh, show because it talks like D- Stacey is a diabetic and she's probably the first character I ever read who had diabetes. As a kid, I read this. And so, and I knew people obviously as an adult with diabetes, but it was not something that was unfamiliar to me because there was a character in a book, you know, that, that was cool. And she's very cool. She's from New York. Yeah. She's glamorous, yeah. you know. And, and she has this, you know, autoimmune illness. And um, it's so interesting the way it's been treated. I don't know about you. I think the series is done to perfection. I think it's yep. updated it so well. Yep. It's one of the yep. best adaptations I have yep. ever watched. And um, it was in my Comfort Reads episode, actually, just, just gone because uh, it was one of those shows that my brain couldn't handle too much in this second lockdown. And I just put it on and it was soothing with that hint of nostalgia, but really nicely updated. The diversity quotient was upped and it was oh, so clever. Absolutely. But I, and I think that's, you're so right. I think I learned so much about the world from these series as a young person. You're right diabetic like we there was there weren't people didn't talk about that kind of thing in 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 fiction and particularly not fiction for kids you know we've got claudia who um was really like the first um asian american character uh that we see in in children's fiction any fiction really um and she was cool like she was this you know, really fantastic arty character who wore the, you know, most smashing outfits, which definitely you could wear today and, you know, be looking, be perceived as very cool. Um, And, you know, whilst there were definitely times in the series where there was a bit of tokenism um, and probably a little bit of stereotyping happening predominantly, it completely broke that mould. And you're right, the new series is amazing there's a particular part in in um one of the episodes um where marianne saves the day um and um she's been looking after this fantastic young person um who you know was born and allocated male at birth and identifies as female and when she gets really really sick marion has to call uh, you know an ambulance and they take to hospital and then the doctor and the nurse uh, initially misgender um, Marianne's charge and, and call her a him. And then Marianne just kind of comes out and does this, like, and I, I'm getting a bit teary now. I, got, I cried when I watched this because it was the most beautiful example of how a young woman has a better understanding, you know, we're talking a 12-year-old here, had a better understanding of how an individual was presenting um, than the adults in the room and I think she really clearly says I can see and you can see that she is very uncomfortable right now that you are calling her by her what we know as a dead name um, and that you're you know using the wrong pronouns and you know really really clearly really well spoken and just says you know I want you to be calling her by her proper pronouns and by her proper name. And it was just, there's so many moments like that throughout the series. It is handled really, really well um, that just 
Oh, I love it. Love the series. Everyone needs to watch it. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I mean, that particular episode was brilliant and that particular moment was really punchy. Um, But when I think about it after the fact, yes, I remember that moment. But what I also remember is the lead up and how they, um, the conversation with Dawn particularly Mm. helps Marianne get to the point where she can then actually vocalize those thoughts that she has had and, and, and her understanding to the, the um, hospital staff. And what I love about the books as well, the books definitely do this, the series, TV series does this. 12-year-olds, oh, my God, it's such an interesting age. Some are more mature, some mm-hmm. are less mature. Um, but the point of the fact is, as you said, it's that beginning of maturation, right? And it's the beginning yeah. of, especially for young women who tend to mature faster than young boys, um, it's the beginning of them really growing up and taking ownership. And so this like series for me, books and TV series, really empowers young people. And it really gives yeah. them, it, it, it helps you to understand that they have a strength that we often don't allow them, you know, when we're talking to them or at them, as is often the case. And that's what I really yes. love about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it, there's such there is definitely this beautiful focus in the books um, about you know the diversity of experience for young people, particularly young women, but also um, you know young boys, and and there's a real support in that play is a good thing, and and you know letting um, you know letting children do things that they like to do, and 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 not not limiting them based on their gender. Like there are, you know, boys are in the play and the girls are playing sport. And, and like, you know, it's just, I just think that for its time, um, when it, you know, when it was written and when it was released, it's, it's, it was fairly groundbreaking stuff. And it was done, it was obviously hit the mark in terms of audience and, and I count myself as I was that target audience when they were released. That was me. Um, and it stayed with me as one of my favorite series of, of all time. It's an absolute even classic. With, even with Harry Potter coming through. Um. <laughs> it's an absolute classic. I do love a jelly bean cocktail. We might put a little don't feed your kids a jelly bean cocktail. Just give them jelly beans instead. And just then give them jelly beans. You'll yeah, have the alcohol to deal with the sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't want to let you do all the work. So I've chosen a book also, and I know it's a book you love as well. I chose Nevermore, The Trials of Morrigan Crow by Jessica Townsend. She's also an Australian author. Morrigan Crow is cursed. Having been born on Eventide, the unluckiest day for any child to be born, she is blamed for all local misfortunes from hailstorms to heart attacks. And worst of all, the curse means that Morrigan is doomed to die at midnight on her 11th birthday. But As Morrigan awaits her fate, a strange and remarkable man named Jupiter North appears. Chased by black smoke hounds and shadowy hunters on horseback, he whisks her away into the safety of a secret magical city called Nevermore. It's then that Morrigan discovers Jupiter has chosen her to contend for a place in the city's most prestigious organization, the Wondrous Society. In order to join, she must compete in four difficult and dangerous trials against hundreds of other children, each boasting an extraordinary talent that sets them apart an extraordinary talent that Morrigan insists she does not have. To stay in the safety of Nevermore for good, Morrigan will need to find a way to pass the tests or else she'll have to leave the city to confront her deadly fate. 
This is the first in a series of which the second, Wondersmith, The Calling of Morrigan Crow, is also utterly fabulous. And the third book, Hollow Pox, The Hunt for Morrigan Crow, is due out this September. And I am squeeing in anticipation. I'm like, yay, I can't wait, I can't wait. And I bet you are too, aren't you, Emma? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Order is like... Already in. Practically yeah. already in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but back to the book. It's been called a cross between Alice in Wonderland and Harry Potter, and I can totally see why, although it is its own creature, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's very well written and with such interesting, vivid and original magics within it. I read this book and went, I have not read parts of this. I've not read these sorts of ideas before. It was really great. It's a coming of age story, a mystery, an adventure story. It's a fantastic middle grade read as well. Um, so those nine to 12 year old sort of tweens. Um, but honestly, there is no age limit on books like this. I, I remember looking it up on um, Goodreads and seeing someone who said, I'm 64 and I love this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and I mean, I love it and you do too. It's a really fun series so far. I believe there's going to be eight books in total. Um, so I'm just so excited for it, definitely. And because it's so beautifully written, oh, it is it just really so is. beautifully written. It really is very well written. Yeah, Jessica Townsend spent quite a number of years writing the first one, and you can just the scope of it is enormous. So you can see that she's put a lot of effort into that. Um, mm. no, so because as fun as this book is, it is also somewhat ghoulish and a little bit creepy in parts. I thought I'd pair it with a swamp juice. So this is a fun and easy. <laughs> punch made with lime juice, lemonade and lime sherbet for that fizzy effect. For adults, you just replace the lemonade with soda and the sherbet with your choice of gin for a refreshing, sharp and subtle gin Ricky cocktail. Um, so yes, I, I did an adults and children's version. But that said, I'd probably have that. I'd probably have the swamp juice first and then have the cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, the swamp juice sounds amazing. <laughs> sherbet for the win, right? Uh, right, I might, might have to go get myself some sherbet tonight, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're so right, it is ghoulish. It's that, it's that creepy, there's a darkness in the book. And it is, you know, when I'm saying it's like so beautifully written, I think there's, um, if you don't mind, I've just got, there's a portion of the book I'd love to read out loud. because Of it, course. It, it just, for me, it completely encapsulates how beautiful and, and I love that. atmospheric it is. All right, all right. There's no context for this. You just have to enjoy the words. <laughs> and suddenly, nothing but smoke. Nothing but a thick, swirling mass of shadow and smoke surrounding her, filling her lungs. Her feet were swept from under her and she was lifted into the air, carried along by the hunt, the triumphant sound of horns deafening. She held tight to her black umbrella, clutching it as if it might somehow anchor her to the ground. Morrigan had never been in the ocean, had never even seen it in real life. But this, she imagined, this was what it would be like to drown, to be swept away by a violent wave and tumbled over and over and over until there was nothing, only darkness and shadow and black, black, black. Mm. Claps, 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 claps. <laughs> like, how did you see it? Like, I can visualise that so well. And that's, I think, what, what, um, what Jessica Townsend does so particularly well is paints this beautiful world and characters um, in the most delicious language. 
It's so vivid, absolutely. The imagery is amazing. The Hotel Ducalion, where um, Morrigan <laughs> stays with Jupiter Northcote, so, is like amazing. And the Magnificat, and like there's just so much. There's actually so much in this that I really dread if they ever do make it into a TV series or a movie because. It's just mm. almost too much, I think. I don't know. I don't yep. know how that would go. And you know, when you love something, you, you don't always want to see that as yes. good as some adaptations. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really is so much fun. Thank you. How beautiful to have a reading from a children's library. <laughs> ah, that's just lovely. I love reading out loud. So <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I would let you read that whole book to me. Um, <laughs> we better move on. Otherwise, again, we'll just do this forever. Um, what is your second book pairing you'd like to share with us today, please, Ems? I'm so excited to share this one with you. It's um, titled Amazing Australian Women, 12 Women Who Shaped History. And it's written by Pamela Freeman and the illustrations are done by the amazing Sophie Beer. Amazing. I'm a little bit disappointed that this as a podcast cannot clearly show you how wonderful these illustrations are in this book um, but I highly recommend it I've recommended it to a few people to buy children as gifts um, recently um, it is just the most amazing collection in the book you'll meet 12 amazing Australian women who have changed the world in small ways and large some of them are world famous uh, like Annette Kellerman and Nellie Mulba who we all know and love but there's all of these amazing characters that we don't know about, these real people. Um, so this, and on all of them, all of them deserve to be famous and, and admired. They represent the warriors, the artists, the business owners, scientists, singers, politicians, actors, athletes, adventurers, activists, and innovators from all across Australia. And so it is a uh, classified as a junior nonfiction um, title and often, um, Junior nonfiction titles are quite dry, um, but what we're really seeing and what I've been seeing a lot in particularly Australian publishing, which is always wonderful, um, a real talent and art form for delivering nonfiction and real stories in a narrative way and combining that with beautiful illustration amazing photography um, or just really really clever layout page layouts have become this thing where I'm like oh that's been well laid out <laughs> and who would have thought that would be <laughs> that would be a focus um, but it is so gorgeous and the illustrations I really cannot cannot talk about them enough they're just stunning Sophie Beer is an amazing illustrator and author and I highly recommend um, all of all of Sophie Beer's um, work um, but I kind of wanted to talk um, particularly just about a, one or two of the um, individuals who are named in this book and one is called uh, one is Tilly Aston who was a teacher writer and disability activist between 1873 and 1947. She was the first blind person in Australia to go to university and the first blind teacher. And not only that, she began the organisation we know now as Vision Australia and the first Braille library in the country. Now, this, this amazing, amazing woman was a central part of the movement to allow blind people to vote which 
prior to 1902, blind people could not vote. So with the, um, as part of Federation, she was one of those key players to ensure that, that blind people could vote as well. I did not know this. I did not know about Tilly Aston. I know about Vision Australia. I know about the wonderful work that Vision Australia does, but I had no idea that it was founded by this amazing woman uh, who never let her, her, her disability or her, her, her access, her lack of access based upon her disability stop her. And it's books like this that I think are so important for young people to have in their lives and adults because they shine a light on us as a community, as a society, in a way that otherwise we, we don't understand and we won't necessarily have the full experience of. And this book, oh, I just love it. It's, it's filled with these diverse characters, these amazing women. Um, I won't go into too much more because honest, I would probably just read out everyone's story from it because they're all amazing. But I, I highly recommend it. It is the perfect gift, I will say. So if anyone is you know, wanting to get a child a gift at some point, um, I highly recommend this title because you can come back to it time and time again it is, again, beautifully illustrated by Sophie Beer, who's one of my favourite picture book um, and board book authors and illustrators at this time. <laughs> and I've paired it. I've paired it. Okay. So I've paired it with um, a, a probably a potentially interesting um, option. Um, I have the most amazing Kangaroo Island distillery, Mulberry Gin. And I would pair this book for adults, obviously not for children. Um, <laughs> I would pair this book um, with a mulberry gin and tonic. Clean, a little bit tart, a little bit sweet, but punches a good kick up the butt um, <laughs> because it is a gin. Um, and Kangaroo Island, obviously, you know, it's a beautiful part of Australia. It's still um, very much um, recovering from the devastating effects of the bushfires um, that we had earlier this year and, and has been some quite, you know, understandably, but unfortunately superseded by this pandemic that we're in. So I would, I would um, pair it with that for the fact that these are all really kick-ass women who, you know, are a little bit sweet, a little bit tart and delicious the whole way through. Oh, that's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I love it. And a mulberry gin sounds divine. It's so good. I've nearly finished this uh, bottle and um, that I've got. Uh, and I'm a bit worried because it's a seasonal thing. So I don't know if I'll be ever able to get it again. But I'm sure they'll have something else equally delicious. And then Definitely. you can support Kangaroo Island folks as well. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Oh, it's gorgeous. No, I've seen that book, you know, and I, I haven't taken it home. And now I think, okay, I'm just going to have to get that. But it has been on my radar for presents for my young nieces. So, yeah, mm. I feel like it's almost, a, it's almost a present for them and their mother at the same time. Yes. Yeah. It's a share book, I think. This is one that you share. This is one that you, you sit down together and you look up, you, you, know, you look at the, the people, and then it might make you want to look into more things. So it's like a stepping stone type thing. It's like, oh, I need to know more about this. Or, or, oh, I wonder what else, for example, I wonder what else Vision Australia 
does and um and you know how can i find out more information it's it's a stepping stone to more more conversations i suppose mm, and i love it because it's australian too because i remember I, I remember reading about helen keller obviously as a kid and i loved that that book so much and i remember reading a book called freckles by gene stratton porter which is a classic american book and it's um the first book that i read uh which uh, someone with a disability presented in and, and the young um main character freckles lost his hand as a child and uh again the really lovely stories um but yeah, not Australian. So to have, and also yeah. not necessarily real, not true. And, and, and as much as we love fiction, there is a really nice element to that narrative fiction, narrative nonfiction, sorry. Um, mm. That is, you know, these women lived and they were Australian and they did amazing things and they're so worthy of our notice. Um, and if it's written in a really engaging manner, then that's just all the better. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think that's, um, oh, hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the conclusion now. I'm sorry. I just keep <laughs> reading because these, these, these writers are amazing and they've written really beautifully, but they said there, there are so many amazing Australian women. It was hard to select just 12. In every avenue of life, there are stories of women doing extraordinary things, brave, clever, generous, adventurous, kind, talented, hardworking, persevering people who changed their world. So ask yourself, what is my story going to be? What will I do? How will I change my world? And I love that about this oh. book is it's so empowering. That's it's wonderful. A, it is, it's a non-fiction book that is, it is narrative, it's, it's inspiring, but it's empowering as in, in the same breath. And I think what a gift mm. for a young child um, or anyone <laughs> to have that kind of message delivered to you. Yeah, we all need that kind of message at times in our lives, don't we? It's not just for the young, yeah. but for us all. Yeah. Oh, so gorgeous. We're going to have to look <laughs> there, though. Thank you so much for being part of this episode, Emma. That was just lovely. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was so lovely to get the invitation. I was like, oh, I get to just talk about books and I get to talk a little bit about um, some lovely concoctions that we can, <laughs> we can enjoy and drink in lockdown. <laughs> Quarantinis for the win. Quarantinis for yes. the win. Yes. Uh, if, only, if only this was a, you know, double length episode or something. Because we could <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. But that's all from me, folks. Remember, you can follow Emma on Instagram at msj89, which is E-M-S-J-A-Y 89. And you can check out her isolation earrings it's very very cool what she's been doing and and the new ones that she's making and do let me know if you have any suggestions for who i should speak with next for some delicious book pairings you can find literary elixirs on facebook instagram and twitter at literary elixirs and if you're interested in more information such as notes and photos from each episode check out literaryelixirs.com enjoy all elixirs responsibly and remember books go with pretty much anything mm -hmm.